1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday everybody hope you're doing well on this Tuesday September 5th 2023 this is on the line the show that tells you like it is and holds nothing back my name is Jacob Goins with you for the next two hours right here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067 lots to talk about today talking Auburn football talking college football in general I got to give you all of my week one reactions I know we talked a lot of Auburn yesterday and so uh, later on in today's show I'll give you my reactions from what was a very uh, eventful week one in college football I don't think many people saw it going this way but there's some really big results that uh, happened over the weekend of course we had the final one last night uh, between Duke and Clemson and so we'll talk about all of that at some point today later on in the second hour, but uh, Daryl Dapperts will join us in hour number two as well of Locked on Auburn. Double D will join us there at 3.30, but as I said yesterday, the first hour of today's show, we're joined uh, by good friend, and it's been too long since we've had him in the studio, but my recruiting guru, Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, in the studio once again. Christian, I see you all the time, whether it be <laughs> practices or press conferences, whatever it may be, but it's been too long since we've got you back on this side of town in the studio, man how are things with you?
2: Yeah, going good and happy to be back here. Um, as I was telling you before the show, glad to actually be here and to remember. Um, <laughs> in my old age of 23 years old, my memory's starting to really go downhill and you know, wrote down yesterday when you asked me to come on and totally forgot until i saw your instagram story so thankfully ended up making it here but we're here
1: hey man social media working <laughs> working wonders right well we're glad you're here uh, glad to to talk to you we have a lot to talk about because it has been a while There's since a you've since you've been in here um and i know we we were talking before uh, before we turned the mics on about now that the season has started i know your schedule has slowed down a little bit uh still crazy though with recruits and i want to talk about that the ones that were here on saturday as well but we're going to get you all caught up here in hour number one on Auburn football recruiting, the guys that have committed over the last month or so, uh, what we could see moving forward for Auburn football, and then, of course, some of the results on the field as Auburn gets ready to go out to Cal this weekend. If you have any questions, comments, concerns for us, especially Christian here in hour number one, we would love to hear from you on the phone lines. 334-321-1390 is the number to put you through to us. Questions for me, questions for Christian, more importantly, or just you want to be a part of the conversation? 334 321 1390. Christian, before we talk about the results in the game on Saturday and the recruits that were here on Saturday, we need to get caught up with what's been going on over the last month or so since we we talked to you last and so what can you what can you tell us and the listeners they've been keeping up we've been keeping up too but just the guys that have been around this uh, around this program Auburn's picked up a few more big commits especially over this past weekend so what can you tell us about what's been going on Auburn football recruiting
2: yeah Auburn uh finally quelled some of the concerns I guess you could say about offensive line recruiting over the weekend you Mm -hmm. pick up 2025 offensive tackle Spencer Doland uh, from Athens who had uh, Athens Alabama that is who had a pretty strong offer list already looks really really good as an offensive tackle just his frame um, so that's Auburn's third commitment in the 2025 class speaking of that we'll stick with that for a second you know Auburn picked up JJ Falk uh, Keldrick Falk's younger brother who stud yes stud all, who, who could who could end up being better than Keldrick I think um, I will always go back to last year last uh july 5th i think it was when keldrick committed to florida state at that time and jason said to me said and he said to a couple other people you know you cannot stop recruiting keldrick because even if you don't get him you need to make sure you keep building that relationship for jj because he Mm -hmm. can be better um and so now alburn actually has both of the folks right and very they're very very happy to have
1: him. well it's interesting because with Keldrick right now you feel like and I, I know that you guys have talked about this over at Auburn 247 how you see Keldrick right now but if he gets a little bit bigger a little bit faster you could see him move positions I feel like JJ's the same way right he's playing edge right now in high school but if he gets a little bit bigger maybe move him more inside possibly do you see that happening
2: uh, I think he could be that pretty stereotypical like jack linebacker i think that's his spot you know we'll have to see he's already 6'3 like 225 and he's just starting his junior year of high school he <laughs> that's, played, that's ridiculous yeah, he plays all over for highland home he plays as a like true linebacker they put him at like nickel as mm-hmm. like a money backer like in coverage Jeez. Um, he plays tight end and wide receiver and then he does rush the passer obviously i think that's going to be his future home now if he continues to grow like Keldrick then he will become like a defensive end. But he's probably going to be a Jack linebacker, I think. But you know, every time I write about him in a story, it's kind of like his position is up in the air because mm-hmm. we don't know how much he'll keep growing.
1: This shows my... my unknowing of of all the teams in in the state of alabama highland home what what class are they they, they're 2a okay i I just didn't i wasn't sure what ranking they were where they they classified at in the state of alabama but no jj falk is is a fantastic player 2025 you mentioned he's he's one of three in that class and all three of them are extremely impressive high rated guys and so a great start for 2025
2: yeah all three are four star in-state linemen you have two defensive linemen um in Malik Autry and then theoretically a defensive lineman maybe and Mm -hmm. Jack or Jack linebacker and JJ Falk and then you've got Spencer Doland now um and so you know Auburn has three commitments I think they're number 11 already in the team rankings for 2025 now Auburn's kind of in a spot where you know we always said the 2024 class Auburn staff was going to be behind and Mm -hmm. that's just the fact of the matter even in 2025 to be fair they're a little behind you know a guy like Ryan Williams was already committed to Alabama by the time they got here um but that they had more of an even footing for that class. Right. And, you know, we're starting to see it with them already having some headway there. Um, and I think that 2025 class could be really, really special. But, you know, we'll, we'll see where things go from there. Other commitments, you know, we have to talk about DeAndre Carter, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the Sunday commitment, that one has been a long time coming. The amount of times I've had to answer questions about <laughs> DeAndre Carter uh, in person, on the message board, whatever, really since Big Cat Weekend has been uh, – There's been a lot of them.
1: Yeah, well, how far out did you have a really, because I know you've been talking with them, as you do with all of these recruits so much, and you have such a good relationship with so many of them. It's what makes you so good at what you do, but how i guess how far out did you have a feeling that deandre carter was going to come to auburn was it him coming to big cat was it the amount of extra trips that he took here not just from up the road from across the country in the state of california christian so where was the point where you were like okay this guy i've got a good feeling he's coming to auburn
2: yeah i think let's start with score one because you know he was looked at for a long time as a usc um, southern cal that is lean um, and he was going to take an official visit there He ends up, you know, he has it scheduled. Um, And then, you know, someone, a source at Auburn says, hey, you know, DeAndre Carter is going to take an official visit this upcoming weekend. And I'm like, well, he's supposed to go to Southern Cal that weekend. He's like, nope, he's coming to Auburn. Wow. Um, And so that was, you know, that was interesting to me, but I wasn't sure if Auburn could go across the country and get a big offensive lineman like that. You know, to be able to do that, you have to have a connection of some sort. Um, And Jake Thornton and uh, Ben Agamawa, who is the area recruiter out there, Built up a really good connection with DeAndre and his family. He comes for a visit, you know, talking with him after that June official visit. That was the first point where I was like, okay, I think Auburn can get this guy because you get to see his personality. And I was like, yeah, this is this is kind of an Auburn kid, um, just the way he kind of acts, small town kind of mm-hmm. guy a little bit, stuff like that. He was just kind of an Auburn person to me um, and everything that he said. And he actually has family connections to the city of Birmingham as well. So there's the connection that you're seeing. And everything kind of added up. Then when it's figured out, you know, that he's coming back for Big Cat Weekend, it's like, okay, there's some real serious interest here. Um, and I thought there was a chance he could commit at Big Cat Weekend. Um, and sure enough, he he committed at Big Cat Weekend. It just didn't end up coming out publicly until this past Sunday. Um, so had to l- wait a little while right. since the end of July. Um, I know people were a little bit on edge, a little bit nervous about that. I was never concerned. Um, He silently committed at Big Cat Weekend and then released it this past weekend, and Auburn picks up the number 55 player and the number one interior offensive lineman in the country who could play play tackle as well. Um, Auburn's recruiting him as one of those swing linemen to play tackle or guard, so I know they're really, really excited to have him.
1: Well, that kind of gets into my next question was, what is, in your opinion, what is Auburn getting? out of a guy like DeAndre Carter who had offers and and interest from some of the biggest programs in college football I mean if Auburn is going to the state of California across the country for a guy like this he's got to be special I've seen his tape but for somebody like you who covers this for your actual job and a guy that's been following DeAndre Carter for a long time what's Auburn getting out of this guy
2: yeah I mean he's a mammoth of an offensive lineman he's listed at six four three forty he might even be a little bit heavier than that which i think he needs to trim down slightly once he gets to the next level um and i'm sure auburn has that idea probably as well um but you know if you get him at six four three thirty three twenty somewhere around there i think that's about perfect um i would agree you know 24 seven sports has him as an interior offensive lineman i would agree with that i think he could maybe play right tackle but i'm just not sold on it i I don't know his winspan, but just seeing him in person, I don't think he has the longest wind span necessarily like you would necessarily look for out of a tackle. Mm-hmm. But he plays out there at modern day California. Um, the good one, there's two in California. He plays at the one that's ranked number one in the country in terms of high schools. Um, he started his, I believe it was his final game as a freshman at left tackle. Hasn't left that position since.
1: How and impressive it, is that?
2: Yeah. I mean, that is unbelievable. Yeah, and he started every game since. And, you know, that's a team that, they have five-star offensive tackle Brandon Baker who starts over at right tackle. They have so much talent on that team, and mm-hmm. he's, he's held on to that left tackle spot. I, I think he's probably a guard at the next level. You can maybe get away with right tackle. You know, We'll see how he kind of shapes his body once he gets to college, but uh, either way, Auburn had three offensive linemen that they really, really, really wanted. Daniel Calhoun was one. He ended up committing to Georgia. Preston Taumua was another. He ended up committing to Nebraska. And then DeAndre Carter was the third. So Auburn goes one for three on their really, really elite offensive linemen. And, you know, Jacob, this is something we've talked about. It's kind of a down year in terms of offensive line talent. So if you can go one for three on, you know, elite talent that you really, really wanted, that's pretty good in my book.
1: And Auburn fans have to be just over the moon. The fact that what you just said, Auburn was going after the top 3 offensive linemen in the 20 2024 class and the fact that they went out and and got one of them and at least they were at least going after them right i mean it's something that auburn hasn't done and Auburn fans haven't seen in five or six years and here we are already we saw what Hugh Freeze and company did to re pretty much revive the 2023 class right then you see what they've done in the 2024 class landing somebody like DeAndre Carter and they're already doing work in 2025 and going after and getting linemen three of them in the 2025 class and so uh, I think that Auburn fans I know they are they have to be excited they have to be just pleased with the focus point of what Hugh Freeze and this entire staff want to do they know how to win in SEC football and you've got to recruit the big guys up front and that's what they're already doing
2: yeah you know it it took a while to get commitment number one and everyone was like oh no here we go another you know another staff that struggles to recruit offensive line yeah everybody was worried and I'm like look at the 2023 class they brought in what 10 guys when look at you, when look at Auburn's offensive center. line right now I yeah. mean
1: it's it's brand new guys yeah
2: so th- I mean they totally reshaped that room you know there was some there was some tough luck with the 2024 class you know there was some guys that they really liked to the old staff you know they had to beg guys just to come and visit with some mm-hmm. of these guys they were really working an uphill battle there uh, but they get DeAndre Carter there's a couple other names that they're working on pretty heavily Cohen Eccles, who committed to Texas A&M, they're still working that one pretty hard. They're working on Khalil House, who committed to Stanford. Um, They're they're working some other guys. I still think Auburn is in a good spot to land a pretty solid 2024 offensive line class with three to four high schoolers, one to two DUCO guys, and then you'll probably have to bring in maybe a transfer or two as well. But I don't think you're going to have to hit the portal as hard as you maybe thought. Because Connor Luce should be your starting center next year. Yes. Um, Auburn believes pretty highly in Dylan Senda. Um, He could project as a starter after they brought him in pretty late. Um, Dylan Wade has another year of eligibility, though I think he could end up going to the NFL as a one-and-done. Jaden Muskrat could be back. You have options already for next year where you're going to have some pieces. Oh, Tuton Miller. They Mm -hmm. love Tuton Miller. They love him. Yeah, he's probably your starting right tackle next year. All of a sudden – your offensive line of the future is in a pretty good spot already. You know, we were talking with Hugh Freeze yesterday, his weekly press conference, and he said, you know, we feel pretty good about eight to nine guys that we feel like we can play. Um, and you, you know, you're losing Avery Jones. You know, you're losing Gunner Britain because they're mm-hmm. out of eligibility after this year. But outside of that, you could have a good chunk of guys back. You could have Jeremiah right back. You could have Tate Johnson back. There's, there's some good options there.
1: Yeah, and, and to 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 keep talking about the current offensive line, it's kind of bleeding together with the current offensive line recruiting for 24 and for 25. Um, you, you look at this current offensive line, and like you mentioned, Hugh Freeze yesterday, he said this for weeks leading up to Game 1 and even after Game 1 going into this Week 2 at Cal. He's talked about how the rotation of the offensive line and even other positions too. Um, how just because it's a certain five guys that run out there against UMass doesn't mean it's going to be the same five guys that run out there against Cal. And that's on both sides of the football, right, Christian? I mean, it's, it's, he talked about, we're going to put the guys out there that match up with the team that we're playing against if it's a certain five guys here and a certain five guys there then that's what we're going to do and I think that's a really interesting strategy to where you keep eight nine ten guys fresh motivated and in the rotation and ready for the challenge whenever you need to use them along this season for at least this current group of offensive linemen
2: yeah I'm still a little skeptical about that to be honest I think you need to start to narrow that down a little bit I'm I'm kind of a believer in having five guys but If that's what Auburn feels comfortable with, there's a reason they're paid millions of dollars to do this, and I'm paid to cover them. (laughs) Um, Do you think it could be narrowed down maybe by SEC play? uh, Well, I think you can narrow it down some. Look, I don't think, as talented as as he is, I don't think Connor Liu is going to continue to play um, in games. I think they'll get his four games, and then they'll redshirt him, and you just ride with Avery Jones at center. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think you could still continue to see Jeremiah Wright rotate in with Gunnar Britton moving over to guard and too tall at right tackle. I think you could still see Jaden Muskrat rotate in. I think you still have some guys that can rotate in. I, I would put it at seven, I think. Seven, because I think Jeremiah Wright is capable of playing. Um, you know, Let's say your, your starters on Saturday were Dylan Wade, Gunnar Britton, Avery Jones, Cameron Stutz, and Tutall. So if that's your starters, I think you can still rotate in Muskrat and still rotate in Jeremiah Wright. And I think that'd be pretty good. And maybe Tate Johnson a little bit as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think seven or eight. But I do think Connor Liu, as talented as he is, I think you want to preserve that red shirt probably.
1: Yeah, no, I'm with you. And you don't want to have it just so wide open where you literally have no idea who's starting and who's going to play the majority of the snaps each and every game. But again, I like the idea of having more than just your five because that's what we've seen for Auburn for the last few years is all right it's you five good luck if you're you know if you're tired in the fourth quarter deal with it if you get hurt don't really know where we're going but no I like that Auburn's at least got a little bit of the this crazy word called depth there at the offensive line we're talking it's it's a lot better of an issue to have correct too many players than uh what we've seen over the past couple yeah absolutely well we'll see what happens we're talking Auburn football and mainly Auburn football recruiting with Christian Clemente from Auburn Two Four Seven. He covers recruiting better than anyone here in the area and uh, be sure you go and follow him and follow all their work at Auburn 247 we'll take a break come back talk more recruiting 2024 2025 and then we'll look at the results on the field as Auburn beats UMass in week one getting ready to take a long road trip to Cal here in week two if you have any questions comments we'd love to hear a from you 3343211390 the Tuesday edition of on the line continues after this
0: you are on the line on ESPN1067 online at espnau.com or on the ESPN 1067 app
1: back inside the studio here at espn 1067 this is the tuesday edition of on the line i'm jacob Goins, joined by christian clemente from auburn 247 he joins me every now and then here in the studio been way too long but he's my recruiting guru go follow all of his work christian tell everybody where they can find you and all your fantastic coverage and everybody else over there at auburn 247 and auburn undercover you guys do just a wonderful job
2: Yes. Yeah, so it's all over at auburnundercover.com uh, right now is actually the last day for our a quote unquote kickoff. It's been a little while now, but kickoff special for 55, 55 50% off. There you go. An annual sub. Um, so that gets you through football season, gets you through basketball season, gets you through official visit season next summer. Um, so it gets you all that stuff over at auburnundercover.com. Um, and then you can follow me on Twitter at Cclemente247.
1: Well, again, you guys you guys are doing it better than most. And uh, just a, a fantastic group of of writers and, and just media members and guys that are always working and covering Auburn Athletics. And so with that, we were talking about recruiting. It kind of bled in a little bit to the current roster. But for 2024, right, because it goes through December, um, guys that are committed or unsigned yet, whatever you want to call it, what's the status there Christian and I guess my real question is is Auburn expecting anything else in 2024 throughout the rest of this season we talked all off season long about how wins on the field will result in more recruits and recruiting victories but is Auburn expecting anything else through the next few months when it comes to the 2024 class
2: yeah I mean you kind of hit the nail on the head there in the fact that for the first time in a couple of years, Auburn's recruiting class is in a really good spot going into the fall. They've got 18 commitments. I think they're number 13 in the country in the 24-7 sports team recruiting rankings. So they're pretty close to full. You know, mm. They're more than about three-quarters of the way done. Um, and so now it's a lot of try and break out the spatula and get some flips there at the end. Love it. Um, and you know, there's really not a ton of uncommitted guys that they're still after. They're after Bradley Shaw, the linebacker, out of Hoover. Mm-hmm. Um, they like a Juco safety, LaQuentin Robinson. Um, I don't remember where he plays Juco, but he's originally from Greenville. Um, there's not a lot of other uncommitted guys that they're still after right now. You know That'll change um, with some senior season tape, maybe. Um, some guys could play their way in a little bit. Some Juco guys will start to pop up. But in terms of targets, a lot of it is flip guys you know, you look at a potential second running back. Auburn's really, really focused on Kevin Riley, the Miami commitment um, out of Tuscaloosa County. You look at wide receiver. Auburn has three really good ones committed, but they kind of want to add one more. And so they're still after Cam Coleman, who committed to Texas A&M. What's the status there? Anything? They're working it hard. They're still working really hard. And I, I think he'll be back for a game or two this fall, maybe more than that. And it's just Try and get him on campus as much as possible this fall and see what happens. Yeah. Um and, and also see what happens with Texas A and M for that matter.
1: How big is that week four matchup then for Auburn on the road at Texas AM? I mean, what a what an opportunity if you're Auburn, maybe. If you I mean, there's a lot more riding on it than just one recruit. But if you do find a way to go and win that football game and then maybe bring him back for for another big game in Jordan Hare, I mean, you just never know.
2: Well, yeah, it would be you know if you went on the road and won that game then you could maybe get them on campus the very next weekend for the Georgia game. Yep. Um, and so they really like, you know, they like Cam Coleman and they like offensive lineman Cohen Eccles committed a and M as well. So yo tech. I mean, they played this week, but Miami and Texas are two programs that I'm want Texas, Texas A&M are two programs that I'm watching pretty closely because mm-hmm. Auburn is still recruiting some of those guys. Same goes for Florida. And you know, we saw Florida look pretty terrible, pretty terrible against Utah, <laughs> which was not unsurprising to me, but, Auburn really likes Amir Jackson, Florida's tight end commit. They really like Jamonte Waller, the five-star defensive end slash Jack linebacker commitment. Mm -hmm. They really like those guys. They like uh, Makai Boiro, who's the ginormous defensive tackle committed to uh, Florida as well. Their
1: their recruiting class is really, really good, and I think Billy Napier's done a fantastic job with that. But, man, if he can't pull out some wins, which I don't think they will this season, it's going to just disappear, right?
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I gave Billy Napier credit because – Unlike Brian Harsin, he recognized that this fall might not be great for them. So he went out and he built a stud recruiting class to try and you know, show the future, um, to try and build some job security. The problem is if you only get four wins or five wins, it becomes really tough to hold on to yeah. the core of that recruiting class. So you know, we'll see, but Auburn's recruiting those guys heavily. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys. Defensive line, they're still recruiting on Franklin heavily. And the secondary, they'll – continue to recruit kj bolden and zaquan patterson until the very end so they're recruiting a lot of guys they're still you know offensive linemen we talked about cohen eccles i talked about preston talambua they're still recruiting him mm-hmm. um still recruiting Cleo house so they're recruiting a lot of these flip guys and if you can add if you can get one or two of those elite guys to flip there at the end like if you could flip a cam coleman and flip a kamarion franklin or something like that come december hold on to the majority of your class Because let's be honest, Auburn has to do the same thing. Right, absolutely. They have to hold on to these guys as well. Um, But if they can do that, land a couple big flips and maybe get some JUCO guys, some late senior season guys, you could be in a really good spot for a top 10 class.
1: Well, Auburn's already a top 15, and you're absolutely right. If you get one or two of those, and if they're big enough, yeah, you could pull a top 10 class in 2024, build some momentum on the field, and then 2025, already off to a good start, but it's wide open for Hugh Freeze and Auburn football. Speaking of which, we'll talk about what's going on on the field so far for Auburn football. As they win week one against UMass, they get ready to take what's a weird road trip out to Cal, one that Hugh Freeze not too happy about. We'll talk about all that with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 when we come back.
0: The line with Jacob Goins on ESPN 106.7 Auburn Opelika's Sports Leader.
1: Halfway through hour number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is. And holds nothing back. My name is Jacob Goins, joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, our recruiting guy here in the studio, talking all things Auburn football, of course, talking about recruiting. And this guy's got a few questions for Christian Clemente on the phone lines, 334-321-1390. Terry, you're on the line, man. What's up? Hey, Jacob.
3: Hey, uh, Christian. I was wondering if you thought that the Auburn-Texas A&M game would determine the ultimate decision by cam coleman
2: that's a good question hmm, i think it'll have some impact um but Mm -hmm. i I don't know if you could say it's the ultimate decision because i think it'll come down to the field for the whole season in the sense that you know texas a&m could win that game but they could still struggle through the rest of the season and you know only get six or seven wins and you know auburn might do the same but i think auburn getting seven wins is different than texas a&m getting seven wins this year um, especially... Right, he can
3: figure out that Jimbo Fisher's a clown, <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. And so, you, you know, we'll see. I think this is one that Auburn's going to do everything that they possibly can until December, until signing day. Cam Coleman is one of those can't miss guys, and you yep, know, they ended up missing out on him when he kind of shocked the college football recruiting world, to be honest, and committed to AM on July 4th. But Auburn hasn't given up since, they've only really started recruiting him harder since then. And they were already yeah, recruiting think, him really, really hard. So,
3: yeah, I think that's a misnomer for a lot of people. They think when a guy commits, to school, schools quit recruiting them. That's just not true at all.
1: Well, Auburn used to. <laughs> Auburn used to. <laughs> yeah, they they well, would quit. They would absolutely quit if you went somewhere else. It was it was disrespectful to choose another school off the rip. And so, if you didn't want to play at Auburn, then you, then Auburn didn't want you, which is not true. And Hugh Freeze is not true that. at all.
3: Hey, what was the situation with the penalty Saturday? Do you guys? It doesn't seem like Auburn was penalized a whole lot at all, and did the offensive line get one penalty at all?
1: There were no pre-snap penalties, according to Hugh Freeze.
3: See, that was that. That's that's that. That should be that should be over. Uh, said quite a bit. The, the, no, no, I can't remember the last time an Auburn offensive line got no pre-snap penalties.
1: Yeah, it's huge. I mean, it, I think it speaks to the the experience that these guys have that are on the offensive line. Maybe not ex- experience together or with Auburn, but just college football experience on the offensive line and there were some you know there were some holds downfield and stuff like that in in game and play but no Hugh Frisa and Christian you can correct me if I'm wrong didn't he say that
2: yesterday that you no, you didn't have any false starts I think Rivaldo Fairweather got a hold in but I don't think any of the offensive line did which is pretty crazy because you know we've already talked about how they rotated the offensive line a bunch and you know all of these guys are new together in that sense so that was that was pretty impressive. I get it's just UMass and it's a home game, but still.
3: Yeah, that's what I was thinking, Christian. If you play seven, eight, nine guys, you don't get a whole a pre snap penalty at all. Especially that's in, week phenomenal.
1: in week one. In week one of the week season. one.
3: That's when you expect it. It says something about the work the spiritual, but it says something about the discipline
1: too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, appreciate it, Terry. Three, three, four. If you want to call in, be a part of it. Questions for me, Christian, or just jump in on the conversation, we'd love to hear from you. And that gets us into talking about this team. Their performance on Saturday, 59 to 14, Christian. They they win the game. Uh, Auburn comes out offensively. The first drive of the game, they take it right down the field. They ran the football a lot. They threw it a few times, uh, but we knew. Going into the year, and as will be the case pretty much every single game this season, Auburn's going to run the football and they're going to run it a lot. And they used Demari Alston, Jeremiah Cobb, Brian Batiste, like the inshot Jackson, like they used everybody that was available. Jarquez Hunter didn't play obviously on Saturday, and so they take the opening drive. It looks really good, it's up tempo. It looked like a good Auburn offense, something that we haven't seen in a long time. You end up winning the game 59-14, but just your your thoughts on Auburn's performance on Saturday in the opening win versus UMass.
2: Yeah, I mean, it was about what I expected for Auburn's game against UMass, to be honest. Um, Sticking with just the offense, because I'm sure we'll talk about the defense, but I mean, it was extremely vanilla, which I think is fine because it got you a big win and you didn't have to show too much before you go play Cal, before you go play at Texas A&M, stuff like that. Um, so you got to save some stuff, you know I was looking at the stats, and people were asking on the message board, you know, where was Rivaldo Fairweather? I think that's a guy that they really really like and will be a big part, and I think they wanted to save him a little bit. I think they wanted to save some of the more complex passing plays and other schemes and stuff like that. So I think they saved some of that. They stuck with what was working, which was just running the ball down umass's throat mm-hmm. using Robbie Ashford a little bit, but saving a lot of what Robbie some other packages that he could have that could be pretty fun.
1: And that what a big day for him, right? I mean, what a what a uh, really exciting opportunity for him. We we all know the conversations that were had throughout the offseason, and Hugh Freeze said he needs to be ready, he needs to be mature, he needs to respond the right way, if not name the starter, and he got his opportunity in game one on Saturday.
2: Yeah, and just, you know, it was basic, pretty much mostly design runs, but, you know, I was talking with uh, – mm, I think it might have been Justin Ferguson yesterday. We were talking about when Joey Gatewood had the passing touchdown to, I think it was Shanker against Texas A&M. Like you have so many of those different plays that you can set up for Robbie Ashford that you didn't use at all. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they've got a ton of stuff, I'm sure, in the back pocket with him, with their tight ends. I don't think we saw even remotely close to what Shane Hooks can be. We saw him get targeted a lot, but I think there's still so much more that Shane Hooks can do that they want to save. Um, Jay Fair and Javarius Johnson were both productive as well um, we didn't even see that much of Jair shorter in terms of production um, and there's still a lot there so they saved a the lot on offense which I think is good because they didn't need to use it against UMass and they were still very productive
1: and then defensively um, you saw uh, they, UMass didn't throw the ball a whole lot that's not really their their go-to they like to run the ball And they ran it on Auburn. You better believe it. They they ran it on Auburn, and it wasn't necessarily straight up the gut. They realized instead of running at the big SEC linemen, let's go around them, and that's exactly what they did. And so, some rushing concerns on the defensive side. We heard it all fall. They still exist as we go to Cal in week two. Yes, they do. Um,
2: Which is not good when you are playing against Cal's really good running back room. Um, But this is something that you just said it. This is something that. It was the million-dollar question during fall camp. Is Auburn's run game really good, or is Auburn's run defense really bad, or is it both? And I think it's both because I think Auburn's run game is very good. I think Auburn's run defense still has a decent amount of work to do, Um, and we saw how they ended up fixing that a little bit on Saturday where it became blitz almost every single play, and Mm -hmm. Donovan Goffman randomly became a terror off the edge from that star position. But uh, that might have to just be Auburn's identity this year. And you might be able to get away with it when you have DJ James, and if Nehemiah Pritchett can get healthy, and Jalen Simpson back there, and Keontae Scott, and Kyan Lee. When you have all these guys in the secondary, you might be able to just get away with being a very blitz-heavy team in order to be able to stop the run, because the defensive line struggled to stop the run a little bit. You know they buckled down once they started blitzing a little bit more, especially with the linebackers blitzing more. Um, I did think Eugene Asante was he lived up to the uh, fall camp pipe that he had built yeah had um, six
1: total tackles to lead the Auburn defense yeah and
2: he just looked like it, he was playing possessed out there he was everywhere yeah he was playing so hard he almost single-handedly blocked a punt by himself because um, I remember before the punt Jason said they might try and come after this and no one really did besides Eugene who almost ended up blocking it psycho yeah and <laughs> I love it and Larry Nixon was pretty solid out there if I remember correctly as well um austin keys left a little to be desired in my mind i thought he was going to be a little bit better but you know first game still things to work out
1: right i mean could that be the same thing you were just talking offensively when it comes to receivers and, and looks and plays like defensively too, maybe not just releasing the dogs and letting them just go absolutely insane against umass when you don't technically need it
2: yeah it might be i'm i'm very curious to see how auburn how they play defensively on saturday not necessarily how they look but how they play in terms of do they continue to be very blitz heavy because that might just have to be this team's identity um and that's just the way it goes and you know credit to Ron Roberts for adjusting on Saturday where Auburn gets kind of gashed on that first drive by UMass and then they're just sending the house pretty much every play after Mm -hmm. that and it was working until UMass scored on the very last drive of the game and at that point it's walk-ons and scout team in the game
1: given what you saw uh from auburn against umass on saturday and comparing it to what we saw cal do against north texas a 58 21 win on the road at north texas where a backup quarterback comes in plays extremely well their starter is still questionable uh for the game on saturday against auburn uh but Backup came in and threw for 279. They threw for 312 total. They also ran uh, for 357. So, given what Cal did against North Texas and what Auburn did against UMass and the long road trip, I mean, Auburn's going across the country. Hugh Free's not happy about it. He talked about it yesterday in the press conference. He said it's a tough trip, man. It is. It's just a weird game. What's your concern level for this matchup, given everything we've seen so far? Week two, first road game, Hugh Freeze, everything all. Oh, there's so many factors here. What's your concern level?
2: Yeah, so I've been thinking about this because we had to put in our you know, predictions and everything. Luckily, I haven't had to put it in yet. But I'm kind of at the point where I'm sticking with what I said all off-season and all fall camp, and I'm not letting week one influence my decision too much. In the fact that I always felt like Auburn was going to win this game by about 10 points or seven points by a touchdown one two scores right in there but i always felt like it was going to be close the whole way i think auburn is the superior team um but like you just said when you travel across the country to california it doesn't matter if you're playing an inferior opponent that's a tough road trip mm-hmm. it's equally tough when you're kicking off at 7:30, i think 7:30 pacific time which is 9 30 in your body time Mm -hmm. that's tough it's a tough road trip for college kids to go out and do it's tough for coaches it's tough for everyone to adjust that and so i think it'll be close throughout the whole game um and i would be lying if i said i wasn't a little bit more concerned about cal after their week one but at the same time auburn played umass and cal played north texas those are two teams that you know both of those teams should go Auburn and Cal should go out and win those games and they did right so I'm trying to not let week one affect my mentality towards this game too much Mm -hmm. I think Auburn will be in control of the game for the most part but I do think it'll be close the whole way and that's what I've really said all summer and all fall camp and so I'm sticking with it
1: yeah I've said really throughout the summer just because of the weirdness of this you're traveling out uh, Hugh Freeze said yesterday in his press conference how they're going to fly out late Thursday and get out there and basically fly in, get them to the hotel and go straight to bed. Uh, Friday, they're going to try and keep it um, a- as normal as possible. And then Saturday is the big question mark because you're just sitting around. I mean, you're going to be up by 9, 10 o'clock and you're just going to be sitting around all day long watching football and, and studying and being ready to go. But you got to wait till nine thirty eight at night to, to kick off. And so um, Auburn is a six and a half point favorite. I've said all summer long that it'll be a four-quarter game. I'm with you. Yeah. I think it's going to be not that Auburn's going to necessarily play bad, not that Cal's just going to absolutely light it up, but it's a situational game where I think it's a four-quarter game. Does Auburn cover? Probably. I won't make my official picks yet. but And I've said this, too. Christian, if Cal was coming to Auburn this Saturday, I would have no concern. None. I yes. mean, I would not be worried at I, all.
2: Uh, I would – I would think it would still be a close game, but I would pick Auburn to win by probably two touchdowns. Yeah,
1: exactly. Point. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I would have Auburn win it by 14-plus. And not that Cal couldn't compete, but not having to travel in Jordan-Hare Stadium, a night game if it ended up being that, Cal wouldn't stand a chance. But the fact that it's everything is flipped – it just makes it a little bit weird, and so um, in your mind, before we take our final break, what do you have to see from Auburn on Saturday and moving forward as they get closer to SEC play with Cal this weekend, Sanford next weekend, and the road trip at A and M?
2: Yeah, I mean, I already talked about the defense. I'm just, I'm curious to see how the scheme ends up going from here on out. Is this a team that just becomes fully blitz heavy? It could be, and it might just work out yeah. for them. It might just be how they have to be and. You know, the secondary might just have to hold on for dear life back there. But, you know, we talked about the secondary being the strength of the defense all summer and all fall camp anyway. So mm-hmm. you can put pressure on those guys a little bit. Offensively, I want to see maybe just a little bit more out of the passing game. Um, but like I literally just talked about for UMass, you know, it was very vanilla and I think they saved a lot of things. Um, and this was expected. You know, there were going to have to be kinks that had to be worked out. You're talking about a quarterback that only went through fall camp. You're talking about some of Auburn's top receivers that only went through fall camp. Um, you're talking about they didn't really use the tight ends that much in the first game, and I think that was by design. You really only saw a heavy dosage of the running game and some passing here and there. So I want to see a little bit more consistency out of Peyton Thorne in the passing game. And you know, Hugh Freeze even mentioned that, that there were a couple misreads by Peyton Thorne, but that wasn't overly surprising to me given
1: how Hugh Freeze's offense and Philip Montgomery's offense is set up mm-hmm. and and Hugh Freeze's reaction on Saturday we we saw it um he was he was pretty pretty vocal and and was pretty fired up against Peyton Thorne and the couple of misses on Saturday we talked to him yesterday about it in his press conference and he said you know I gotta I gotta find a way to coach him that doesn't it doesn't, you know, hold him back, right? You got to coach him and teach him, but you don't want him to just shut down if you're too hard on him. And I think that was really good about you, Freeze.
2: Yeah, that was the interesting thing. You know, he talked about he said that uh, some coach or some quarterbacks previously he's coached hard and they responded well to that. And he, you know, he said that he felt like when he coached Peyton hard on Saturday, it felt like he started pressing even more, um, and all of a sudden uh, it ramped it up for him instead right. of instead of calming him down a little bit. And so, you know, that's just the way. That's the reality of this Auburn team. They're still figuring things out. They're figuring out – the coaches are figuring out how to coach players. The players are figuring out how the coaches are coaching them and how they need to respond to that, what they need to do with the offense. There's so much about this team that's still unknown, and I think we'll learn a lot about this team and its resiliency on Saturday because I think it will be a test, like we've both said, through all four quarters
1: Mm -hmm. can Auburn run a true two quarterback system with Peyton Thorne and Robbie Ashford can it be successful in 2023 Uh,
2: I I, it depends on what you define as a two quarterback system in my mind because I think Robbie Ashford will play in every single game um, whether it's red zone Robbie or whether you bring him in for red zone Robbie yeah whether you bring him in on fourth and one from the 45 yard line and you have a designed run behind Dylan Wade and Gunnar Britton to the Mm -hmm. left or something, you're going to utilize him and you're going to have a package for him. It just depends on whether or not you call that a two-quarterback system. I I think he will continue to play all season,
1: though. Auburn on the road at Cal this weekend. Six-and-a-half-point favorites. Of course, we'll talk about it all this week as we get closer and closer to Saturday. We'll take our final break, wrap up hour number one with Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 when we come back here on ESPN 106.7. Hey everybody, this is Jacob Goins from ESPN 106.7. This week's Orthopedic Clinic High School Player of the Week is Lee Scott Academy's J.J. Myers. The senior running back for the Warriors was a major part of the offense on Friday night, cashing in on two rushing scores as part of a 51-0 win over Monroe. J.J. Myers, your Orthopedic Clinic High School Player of the Week. The Orthopedic Clinic East Alabama's go-to center for orthopedic care with locations in Auburn and Opelika to better serve you online at theorthoclinic.com.
3: I'm a pretty great multitasker. I can wash dishes and do laundry.
4: I can roller skate while walking
3: my dog. I can even order lunch while doing my homework. But I can't use my phone while driving. A distracted driver is one of the leading causes of death in the United States. So when it comes to driving, please don't be a multitasker. Don't drive
4: distracted. A message brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, Project
0: Yellow Light, and the Ad Council.
3: From the very beginning in 1907, Auburn Bank's mission has been to promote our community, see businesses flourish, and improve the livelihoods of local citizens. We have operated a simple and straightforward business model built on a foundation of sound business decisions and a caring response. Our local team stands ready to discuss your financial needs and goals. Auburn Bank, champions of you. Member FDIC, online at auburnbank.com. The Edward
1: Via College of Osteopathic Medicine in Auburn is dedicated to its mission of transforming medical students into caring, compassionate physicians. VCOM partners with Auburn University for student activities, shared learning experiences, and research opportunities. Students are instructed in a hands-on learning environment by outstanding faculty members that are dedicated to student success. VCOM is working to improve the health of Alabama's citizens by increasing the number of primary care physicians throughout the state, especially in rural and underserved areas. Find out more at vcom.edu.
5: Every day counts, every minute matters. From kindergarten to graduation, school attendance is essential to a student's future success. Absences, whether excused or unexcused, add up. Missing an average of two days a month can lead to third graders being unable to read at grade level, sixth graders struggling with coursework, and high school students off track for graduation. That's why your Lee County District Attorney's Office is concerned about school attendance and why we offer the Helping Families initiative. Under Alabama law, parents can be subject to criminal penalties for failing to have their kids in school, and students can be prevented from receiving their driver's license. Attend today, achieve tomorrow. The Help and in Families initiative can help students and families address hurdles that keep students from getting to school every day. I'm Lee County District Attorney Jessica Ventieri. Please contact my office for more information at 334-737-3446 or at leecountyda.org.
1: Yellowwood knows that a five-star backyard is the place to make lasting memories. Like cookouts. Um, cornhole with friends. Ooh, a neighborhood potluck with your wife's pasta salad. The one with the feta. Oh, sorry.
3: Or taking a nap on your deck in a hammock.
1: Naps are memories. Mm, I love naps. For five-star backyards and the most memorable experiences, Yellowwood brand pressure-treated pine. If it doesn't have that yellow tag... Wrapping up our number one here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line. I'm Jacob Goins. We're joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, Auburn Undercover, in the studio. Uh, We got a few more minutes before uh, he's got to run. So, Christian, I appreciate you as always. Man, it's always a blast talking to you uh, on the air. I see you all the time. But um, let everybody know where they can find you, all of your great work, and everybody else that's with you guys at Auburn 247 and Auburn Undercover.
2: Yeah, check us out at auburnundercover.com. Last day to take advantage of the 50% off an annual sub. Um, so that'll get you through all football season basketball season official visits next summer gets you all that stuff signing day Um, it's gonna be a fun signing day and that 2025 class we've already talked about a little bit that's gonna be a fun class to cover man that might be the best in Alabama state history and Auburn is sitting in a pretty good spot already um, and then you can follow me on Twitter, at Cclemente247.
1: Yeah, well, that 23 class was something special, and now we're about to see it again, I think, in 2025. I mean, it's, I think, it's stacked. I think
2: 25 will be better. Wow. You know, I was writing about Eric Winters the other day because he visited on Saturday, mm-hmm. um, and it was, like, number 42 or number 43, somewhere in their player in the country. Um, and, I, and it was number three linebacker and number seven player in Alabama. Jeez. And, <laughs> yeah.
1: It's ridiculous. And, and you know, it's it's crazy, too, because Auburn – has finally decided they have a coaching staff that wants to go after the in-state kids, and, and, and not just because we're here, but the bias is is not—it's uh, real, I guess, because the state of Alabama is producing some of the best high school athletes in the country. I yeah. mean, it's unbelievable.
2: Yeah, Alabama is becoming—you know—I don't know if Alabama will ever get well, won't get to the point of Texas or probably Florida, but it's getting to georgia it's getting kind of to california like it's becoming an elite state in terms of talent um year in and year out you know even the 24 class it's maybe not as top heavy Mm -hmm. but it's really deep right there's 30 guys that are power five or whatever you want whatever you want to call power five (laughs) now there are 30 guys that are close to that level
1: yeah well really quickly speaking of all those other states we're about to get kicked out of here but you and Jason and a lot of these guys you've guys been making trips to these high schools seeing Auburn uh, recruits seeing Auburn uh, hopefuls right you guys have been making all sorts of trips in the offseason seeing high school football played on Friday night uh, where all have you been really quick
2: yeah so we went to go see Parkview play when they opened up their season on Wednesday night that's Jalen Crawford Auburn's mm-hmm. quarterback commit We went to go see Walker White out in Arkansas, out in Little Rock. That was a really, really fun trip.
1: Really long trip is what you meant to say. Really long trip, but it was really (laughs) fun. Um,
2: Walker and his family are incredible. We saw Fat Burnett play Jaden Lewis this past Friday. Um, I think I'm forgetting another game as well, but we've seen a bunch. We'll continue to see a bunch, and that'll all be over at AuburnUndercover.com.
1: There you go. Go check it out. They all do fantastic work. Christian and Jason and Nathan, everybody over there does just unbelievable jobs. So Christian, I appreciate you, brother. I'll see you in uh, about an hour and a half for practice over at at the football (laughs) facility. So uh, we appreciate Christian Clemente of Auburn 247, our recruiting guru. Go check him out. He does it better than anybody here in the area. Hour number one in the books. Stay tuned. I'll give you my week one college Football reactions coming up in hour number two. Plus, Daryl Dapper's Double D joins us on the cell phone as he's making a trip to Montgomery. We'll talk to him about his Week One reactions from Auburn and college football coming up in hour number two.
0: The following is an Auburn Network production.
1: You're on the line here on ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika, sports leader. Happy Tuesday, everybody. Hope you're doing well as we get underway here in hour number two. On ESPN 106.7, my name is Jacob Goins with you from 2 to 4 here on ESPN 106.7. If you missed any of the first hour of today's show, be sure to go and catch up. Find the podcast after the show today. You can find it one of two ways, ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com. Click on the Podcast Center. You'll find it commercial-free, posted there right after the show, or just search on the line wherever you get your podcast. Uh, in that first hour... We were joined by Christian Clemente of Auburn 247 and Auburn Undercover, uh, my recruiting guru. I gave him that name a long time ago, and that's what I'm sticking with because, man, if you don't follow him for your Auburn football recruiting news, uh, you're you're doing it wrong. I'm just going to let you know. You're doing it wrong if you're not following him because he's on it. He is he he's just so good at what he does because his relationships with the players and their families he goes the extra mile and really gets the inside scoop. He's on it before it even happens, and so go follow him and everybody over at Auburn Undercover. They do a wonderful job, and so he joined us in the first hour. We talked a lot of Auburn football recruiting, what's been happening leading up to this season, and what could happen as the season goes on. Trying to wrap up this 2024 class, uh, Christian said, "You got to. It's time for Auburn." whip out the spatulas and try to get the flip on a couple of guys in 2024 and so um, I didn't come up with that I can't claim that he 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 got that all on his own and so uh, we talked about 2024 also the hot start that Auburn's off to in 2025 when it comes to recruiting and so uh, go and check that out in, in in the podcast from the first hour. A lot of recruiting. Talked about Auburn-UMass a little bit. Got his thoughts on the Cal game coming up this Saturday. So it was a lot of fun. It's been way too long since we've had Christian in the studio. And so I appreciate him and his time, his friendship as well. And so go check that out at ESPNAU.com. After the show today, it'll be posted commercial-free. But here's what's coming up in hour number two. We got to talk week one, college football, right? We've been talking a lot of Auburn and... We got to talk what's been going on in week one of college football. It's officially over, thanks to the Clemson-Duke game last night, which we'll talk about. There were some crazy games, and there were some crazy results in week one. And we got to talk about them. New AP poll is out. We'll talk about that as well. Then coming up... At 3 30. Daryl Daprich uh, of Locked On Auburn. Double D will be joining us on the phone lines uh, at 330 to talk Auburn UMass college football and give his thoughts and predictions for Auburn and Cal. And so until then, we're talking week one. I want to hear from you. What are your thoughts on week one from college football? Biggest game, biggest result, biggest disappointment. I want to hear from you. 334-321-1390. We're actually going to start our number two by getting to the phone line. And so we'll do that three three four three two one thirteen ninety. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with?
4: Hey, this is Andy in Auburn.
1: Hey, Andy, how are you, man? Good. Hey, I missed you guys Friday to
4: call for my weekly pick, but I called you earlier and said I liked Auburn.
1: Yeah. Um, I didn't take
4: into account that Ashford would uh
1: do what he did. Um, Rush for three touchdowns in the first half. You didn't predict that, Andy? I I did. I did not even (laughs) know he was going to play. Um. So, you know, I guess
4: my record's one and one with um, Notre Dame and, yeah. and UMass. But uh, I'll call Friday with a, a better one.
1: Yeah, be sure uh, to do that. But,
4: uh, I mean, Auburn looked amazing, just like Colorado. And that, that's my biggest heartbreak. because I, I was just – everyone was down in Colorado. I'm like, you know, Deion's got a lot of guys hyped up and skills and um, –
5: I liked them a lot, but I didn't do anything on it
4: just because time was flying by Friday, Saturday. But I will say we had a great, great tailgating experience. Good. Um, so many people came in, and um, that's all we ask. You know, my type of people. That's all we ask for from a coach. It's that's a, right. You know, win by 40. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Just, just win. Yeah, just win really big and put the game away by the second quarter. That's all we ask as Auburn people, right? Right, and I, I said that I said I didn't, you know, I wasn't going all in on
4: on uh, UMass in this one. Just I I, I said the score was going to be 45-14, So I was close. Okay, um, you were close. Yeah, but uh, SEC didn't look too good when we we're playing at a, at a conference. Yeah. Um,
5: but I tell you,
4: um, this is going to be an exciting year, and then this the even the year we should be excited for next year. But um i'll give you a call friday and i'll have a good one for
1: you all right man we'll talk to you on friday andy good to hear from you 334-321-1390 appreciate andy calling we would love to hear from you as well on the phone lines um yeah saturday was was a great scene here in auburn the white out uh tiger walk was insane uh, i was walking to the stadium right before it happened uh, to go and cover it in the press box and it was it, it was an insane scene it really really was and you know, you had a record-breaking crowd at Jordan-Hare Stadium. Over 88,000 people were in the stadium this, uh, this past Saturday. And so, yeah, it was a great day in Auburn. College football as a whole this opening weekend started way back on Thursday with Florida-Utah, went all the way through last night with Clemson-Duke. And that's what I'm going to talk about is the other games in week one of college football because, yes, Auburn did play. But there were some crazy results in week one as well. And so I want to talk about those, give you my thoughts. We'll look at the AP poll that came out today as well. But we'll get back to the phone lines, 334-321-1390. You're on the line. Who am I speaking with? This is Mark. How hey, you doing? I'm good, Mark. How are you, brother? What's up? Doing great. Hey, uh, the penalty situation with Auburn this weekend was really good. I was really happy with that. Yeah, you better believe it. Uh,
6: and just as much as the no turnovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, to me, Florida State, does they look like this weekend, they were the most impressive team I saw play all weekend.
1: Yeah, yeah, they, uh, they, they looked really, really good against an LSU team that I don't think was ready. Uh, Mark, I think an LSU team that quit on Brian Kelly in the second half, uh, and that Florida State team, they have gotten a lot of hype and expectations coming in, but I'll tell you what, they lived up to it in week one.
6: Ryan Kelly shot himself in the foot a few times. He should have took some points early. Yeah. I know that's easy to say after the game's over, but after you fail the first time on fourth down, surely you want to get some points the second
1: time. Right. Well, I mean, you saw Duke do it last night. They took the freebies. They took the field goals, and it ended up working for the Blue Devils.
6: Absolutely. Uh, and also, lastly, if you want some entertainment purposes, go on Cal Bears football
4: for them. Okay. These guys, only, they're
6: predicting, you know, Cal to not only cover but win, and, you know, and it's, some of them are predicting a blowout for Cal. But, I mean, they talk everything on the football forum. The most important thing is talking about getting high.
1: Oh, my gosh. They,
6: they're telling everybody where you can get the weed
1: and the best. <laughs> what? But if you want – for entertainment purposes go out there and read their forums it is, it's worth your time well maybe maybe you know the I mean? maybe the extracurricular activities are, are feeding into the overconfidence there in berkeley huh
6: oh it is <laughs> you guys have a great afternoon you
1: too mark great to hear from you thanks for the call man 334-321-1390 would love to hear from anybody else on the phone lines as well um i have not done that but i will have to do that and and look Cal fans should be confident after week one. They should. They looked good. They played good. And they ran the football really well. And Auburn couldn't stop the run very well on Saturday. I know UMass didn't run for a lot of yards, but it didn't look good when they were doing it. And so Cal should be confident, but Cal should also pump the brakes a little bit. It's Cal, all right? It's Cal football. That was a bad team last year. They're not a good team this year. And it's the Pac-12, which is a great conference, but not with Cal in it. There's a reason everybody else is leaving and Cal's getting left behind and maybe going to the ACC, who knows. Um, But Mark, to your point, you brought up Florida State and you're absolutely right. I think Florida State, uh, to kind of look at some of the biggest week one results in college football, Florida State looked really good on Sunday night. They put up 45 points on LSU. This was a top 10 matchup. LSU was number five in the country. Florida State was number eight. And Brian Kelly and LSU had multiple opportunities early to jump on this thing, get some points, build some momentum. And I get why they didn't. He has confidence in his front line and his quarterback, Jaden Daniels. They just couldn't get it. They couldn't build any momentum. And this was a good game going into the half. LSU was up, folks. It was 17-14 at the half, LSU. But the second half, LSU shut down. Florida State dominated in the second half. It was a completely different ballgame where Florida State outscored them by 10, 10-0 in the third, and then the fourth quarter was a beatdown by the Knowles, and they ended up winning this thing 45-24. to Florida State looks legit. They look legit, okay? As I mentioned, they were getting a lot of hype, a lot of expectations, possible ACC champs, college football playoff predictions as well. And Jordan Travis went 23 of 31 for 342, four touchdowns and a pick. He played really, really well. And of course, you had Keon Coleman, the receiver for Florida State. Auburn fans know that name all too well. Nine receptions, 122 yards and three touchdowns. Florida State looked legit. They did. They held Jaden Daniels to, he threw for a lot of yards, but he wasn't overly effective. He had 15 incompletions, had a pick, one touchdown. He rushed it a little bit. I think he had 60 yards or something like that. But LSU just, they quit in the second half. They quit playing in the second half. And it's crazy because I haven't seen that out of an LSU team in a long time. No matter who the coach is, that's not LSU football. And Brian Kelly had some things to say after the game. And if you saw or heard his comments, I mean, he he said, this is not who we are. We were not ready. This is an embarrassment. This is bad on our team, on our players, on our coaches, myself. Like he, he drugged that program through the mud and back. But I don't think it was a bad thing that he did it. Brian Kelly's a good coach. And if you believe that LSU is not going to find a way and turn this thing around, you're wrong. Now, I'm not saying they're going to, went out and go undefeated and and make the college football playoff. But I still think they're going to be in the conversation. Because going into this game, what did I tell you? I said that whoever wins will propel themselves in a really good start to the season, and they're going to be able to use this as a college football playoff resume builder. But whoever the loser is, it's not the end of the world. LSU losing to Florida State is not a bad thing. It's just the way they did it was bad. It didn't look good at all. That's what has LSU fans all riled up. Right? That's what has college football fans looking at, at the Bayou Bengals and saying, what in the world's happening in Baton Rouge? I think they're fine. I do. I think LSU's fine. They have lost four straight season openers, which I think is kind of wild. You've lost four straight season openers because you've played big time power five teams and you've lost four in a row, maybe start scheduling somebody else, maybe like a group of five or maybe even an FCS team in the future if you at LSU to try to get your, uh, your seats off to a better start than, than 0-1 in the last four years. Looking across the landscape and other games that happened in week one of college football, we talked Utah-Florida last Friday when that game happened on Thursday night. Florida, it's going to be bad. I'm just going to tell you. Florida is going to be rough. Um, Christian was here with us in the first hour and, and talking about that Florida recruiting class, it's really impressive. It is. Billy Napier and, and his staff understood the assignment when it came to recruiting for the future. They just don't have the talent right now or the, the structure or the really the skill level and the IQ from what it looked like on the field. Okay, I want that to be very clear. From what it looked like on the field, none of those things are apparent right now, and the schedule doesn't get any easier. They play Tennessee next week. That's going to be a disaster for Florida. It's a brutal schedule, the hardest one in the country, or hardest one in the conference, one of the hardest in the country. And so Florida looked abysmal on opening night last Thursday. Looking at the games that happened, on Saturday, um, Georgia got off to a slow-ish start versus UT Martin. They ended up obviously doing fine. Carson Beck in his first start, 294, with a touchdown. Nothing super crazy there. How about Ohio State? How about Ohio State and the Buckeyes? On the road, conference game week one, which is never easy. I don't care who it is. I know it's the Big Ten and their conference is terrible. But on the road, conference game in week one, is never easy. And they played Indiana, a team that they had beaten 28 times in a row. 28 times in a row has Ohio State beaten Indiana. They made it 29 on Saturday with the 23-3 victory. But the Buckeyes have a quarterback problem, folks. Kyle McCord is not it right now. He is not it. 239 and a pick. And the best receiver in the country, Marvin Harrison Jr., had six targets and only two catches, non-existent, basically. That can't happen if you're Ohio State. That can't happen if you're a Buckeye trying to make the college football playoff once again and beat Michigan, who didn't look overly impressive, but they didn't have to. Ohio State has a quarterback problem there in Columbus, and they better figure it out because there's some good teams in the Big Ten. Their conference as a whole isn't good, but Penn State looked good, and Michigan is good, and Ohio State better figure it out. Alabama, what are your thoughts on this? I'm curious. Our Auburn listeners here, we've talked a lot of Auburn versus UMass, but what are your thoughts on Alabama's performance against Middle Tennessee? When you look at the four-quarter scorecard, it looks pretty cool. They scored 14 points in every quarter, and they helped Middle Tennessee to just seven points, and they win 56-7. to But it seemed like just a week ago, Everybody around the country was worried about Alabama. They were worried about the quarterback room. Is Nick Saban dynasty over at Alabama? Does he have the talent? Does he have the coaching ability anymore? And if he doesn't have a true Heisman quarterback, can he be effective? Can he win? And going into the game, it was what, Thursday? Wednesday or Thursday before Jalen Milrow was officially named the starter for Alabama? But then he comes in has three rushing or three passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, threw for almost 200 yards, and carried for 50 more. He looked good. He did. He looked good, and you can't deny it. But then all of a sudden, right? last week, everybody was worried about Alabama. Everybody was saying, "Oh, this is a three- and four- lost team. They don't have a good quarterback. It's doom and gloom at Tuscaloosa." And one big game against Middle Tennessee, where Milro. Did fantastic things. He set—I mean—he did something no quarterback has ever done at Alabama, with his passing and rushing touchdowns in the first half or in the game. I can't remember. But all of a sudden, one big performance against Middle Tennessee, and all of a sudden, Alabama's back. All of a sudden, Alabama is a national championship favorite. Jalen Milroe is going to be in New York for a Heisman. Let's slow down a little bit. Let's slow down a little bit. And let's see what happens this Saturday. When Texas comes to town. Because Milrow had some highlight real plays. Milrow had some really good execution on the offense. And the defense, you stop middle Tennessee. Okay. Let's see what happens when they play a real team. When they play a power five team. And Texas was very vanilla on Saturday. They didn't look anything crazy, but they didn't have to. And Alabama didn't look anything crazy because they didn't have to. But we can't go one week ago to saying that Alabama and the dynasty could be falling because they don't have a quarterback To all of a sudden they're the best team in college football. You can't do that after one week against Middle Tennessee, especially in week one. 334-321-1390 is the number. Give me your thoughts. I want to hear from you. Week one college football reactions, some other games that I want to talk about when we come back before. Daryl Dapridge, Double D, will join us on the phone lines coming up at 3:30. That's it. Uh, coming up here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line on ESPN 1067.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 1067. Online at espnau.com or on the ESPN 1067
1: app. All right, let's keep looking at some week one results in college football, some of the biggest storylines around the country. Uh, the newest AP poll is out. I'll look at that in just a few minutes. And then uh, coming up at the bottom of the hour at 3.30, Daryl Dappertz will join us on the phone lines from Locked On Auburn, Montgomery Radio Legend. He'll be joining us as he does every single Tuesday to uh, give us his thoughts on Auburn UMass, his thoughts and predictions on Auburn and Cal coming up on Saturday, plus maybe some of his thoughts on these week one results in college football as well. Um, got to talk about it. I got to talk about what was the craziest game of the weekend, the most unexpected result, I think, of week one in college football, Colorado on the road at number 17 TCU. Okay, this was a game where TCU was favored by almost 21 points, almost a three-touchdown favorite. It was 20-and-a-half at kickoff. Colorado, we know the story, right? We know Deion Sanders going from Jackson State. Uh, We know that he went in and cleaned house, just absolutely kicked everybody out and brought in his own guys. We know the confidence level is there. We know how outspoken he is. Uh, We know that he brought his son with him, uh, Shadir Sanders, We know that they've got some dudes. But on Saturday, this was a game where TCU, everybody, including myself, thought they were going to win this football game. All right, Did I think TCU was going to cover 21 points? No. But I did say TCU was going to win by double digits. And what a game this was. It was back and forth the entire time. And Colorado goes in. And they shocked the college football world. And they win 45 42, and Colorado's 1 0. They had a couple guys absolutely go ballistic in this football game. Shadir Sanders, the quarterback, 38 of 47. So just nine incompletions on 47 attempts. 510 yards and four touchdowns through the air. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable. And Colorado goes in there, week one, game one of the Deion Sanders era, and they win the football game. I mean, it's just it's unbelievable what they were able to do. Then you have Travis Hunter, who plays both sides of the football, who is already getting crazy Heisman bets now after week one, he played over 100 snaps on Saturday because he plays both sides of the ball. I think the total was, what, 111, something like that? Over 100 total snaps for one player in week one in the state of Texas where the temperature was over 100 degrees. And he made some highlight real plays. The interception was something that made SportsCenter top tens all over the place. So shout out Colorado. They, they defied the doubters in week one. They did. They shocked the world. They kept the receipts. Right, Dion? They kept the receipts. But now it's time to move on and play, your more, play more games. You've got Nebraska this Saturday. That's a winnable game for Colorado. And isn't it crazy how after just one performance against a good TCU team, but a TCU team that lost a lot of talent from that national championship game team, isn't it crazy how the narrative has completely changed on Colorado where before it was they're going to win two or three games maybe to now everybody is saying they're going to make a bowl game. They've received a ton of bets to win the, the Pac-12. Slow down. They're not winning the Pac-12. Have you seen that conference? The Pac-12 went undefeated in week one, 13-0, undefeated in week one. They're not winning the Pac-12. They've got a brutal schedule. They play Oregon, they play USC, they play UCLA, they play Oregon State, they play Washington State, and they play Utah. Colorado's talented, and Colorado's going to be ready to play, but they're going to get humbled very, very quickly playing in the Pac-12. But an exciting game in Week 1, and you got to give credit where credit's due. Quickly, I know we're about to get to our bottom-of-the-hour break. Uh, Tennessee looked good against Virginia. Um, you had Oregon who put up a basketball score of 81 on Portland State. Um, don't think I agree with it, but hey, Oklahoma did the same thing, 73 nothing on the Butch Jones. Butch Jones coached Arkansas State, and there was the video of him teared up on the sideline. How about North Carolina handling South Carolina? I called that. North Carolina won that football game. They beat South Carolina. They didn't just win that football game. They beat South Carolina, outscoring them 14-3 in the second half. North Carolina is a good football team. Watch out for them in the ACC. The SEC didn't look great, folks. I'll just be honest. SEC didn't look great. Wasn't a proud Week 1 performance by this conference because South Carolina got manhandled. LSU got manhandled. And there were some games where SEC just didn't perform overly well against lesser opponents. And how about Clemson last night? Yikes, Duke! I said they were gonna play it close. I thought Clemson would win, but I liked Duke to cover that 13 and a half point spread. They won the darn thing outright. Good for Duke. Is the dynasty over in Clemson? People are saying it is. I don't know. We'll find out. Dabo's got some work to do over there in Clemson, South Carolina. Double D, Daryl Dapperts joins me when we come back. We'll talk to him about week one college football results, Auburn, UMass, and previewing Auburn and Cal. Don't go anywhere. You don't want to miss
5: it.
0: You are on the line with Jacob Goertz. On ESPN 106.7, Auburn Opelika's sports leader.
1: We've got 30 more minutes here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, the show that tells you like it is and holds. Now at the back, my name is Jacob Goins with you on ESPN 106.7. And as he does every single Tuesday, Double D, Daryl Dappert's joining us on the phone lines on his way to Montgomery. He's going to be on the call for the Montgomery Biscuits game tonight. Daryl, how are you, man?
7: Man, I'm doing great. I apologize in advance if this is not the highest of quality, doing it from my cell phone in a moving vehicle, but I am supposed to arrive at the ballpark about 20 minutes or so. Uh me and, and one of your, your your guests that you have on periodically, Lindsey Crosby, who knows more about baseball than any human being on the face of the earth,
1: <laughs> yes. uh, we have
7: the opportunity to do uh, the series, the, the, the last homestand of the Biscuits versus the Chattanooga Lookouts. Um, I'll be doing some play-by-play, and Lindsay will be joining me for some uh, color commentary, and we're going to be doing that through Sunday. So we're really excited. This is a phenomenal opportunity. The, the regular play-by-play guy for the Montgomery Biscuits got called up to the Tampa Rays, and so they've been using guest uh, radio guys, and I guess after 15, 16 people down the list, they finally got to me when everyone turned them down and said, hey, <laughs> would you mind? No, we've actually had – Doug Amos has done some games, and so it's been a – It's a great opportunity. It's a lot of fun. And it is a bucket list thing since I was a little kid. So I do take it. Very, very seriously, and very appreciative of the opportunity.
1: Well, that's going to be that's going to be a heck of a, a broadcast, and, and two very, uh, very awesome and very uh, entertaining and knowledgeable gentlemen that will be in that press box and booth tonight with you, Daryl Dapperidge and Lindsey Crosby. And you mentioned it. There's there's nobody that knows baseball, especially minor league baseball, like Lindsey Crosby does. And so uh, you guys are going to have a fantastic job. For anybody here in, in Auburn, Opelika, that wants to tune into that, Daryl, where can they find that tonight?
7: You can just go on the Montgomery Biscuits website and you can just click the little headphones for listen. Uh, You can also, if you have a MLB TV account, uh, choose Tampa Bay Rays as your favorite team and you can watch the game, watch the actual game online and it'll be Lindsey and I doing the uh, commentary, doing the audio over that. So that'll be kind of cool. But if you just want to do Audio only, you just click on the little headphones on the Biscuits website, and you'll pick us up.
1: Awesome, man. Well, you guys are going to have a great time, and so good luck to that. I'll definitely tune in and, and catch you guys, and anybody here that, that wants to be and go catch that tonight, that's going to be a fantastic broadcast. But, Daryl, let's talk a little Auburn football. You and I got to uh, sit next to each other on Saturday there in the press box, as we will multiple times this season at Jordan-Hare Stadium, and watched Auburn win against UMass, 59-14. to um, an, an impressive Saturday I would say for Auburn in in game one of the Hugh Freeze era Uh, there's different takes on the on the results and on the the play of the offense and the defense but Daryl your overall reaction and takeaways from Auburn's 59-14 win on Saturday versus UMass
7: well I think that you know you, you you pretty much got what you expected I think that Auburn against an inferior opponent you, you want to see them come out and not be perfect, but you want to see them execute at a high level. You want to see them manhandle that opponent. You want there to be no drama, no suspense, and you want to play a lot of players. You want to go down the depth chart. And I think, you know, I had a great time, as you mentioned. it. couldn't have had better company up in the press box. Really enjoyed that, by the way. And so all of us watching that together was were able to see Auburn go 3-4 down the depth chart, see some guys play, some young players Uh, you know get some snaps and so that's what you want you want to get out of there you know for the most part injury free you want to play a lot of people and you want to dominate you don't want that thing to be in down in the third quarter and I think Auburn accomplished all that there's some things to clean up that's great that's what you want to see when you're playing in a real live game some things that you can work on in the, in the, uh, the week leading up to game two so I think Auburn got what they were asking for.
1: It seemed like uh, one of the few but very big concerns for Auburn uh, in this game on Saturday, and it's something we've heard throughout fall camp, was the rush defense. And no, if you look at the stats, they weren't crazy for UMass, but just watching the game in person and anybody that caught it on TV or or listened to the radio broadcast – the rush defense was was hurt a little bit on Saturday against UMass, and they've got to find a way to clean it up, Daryl, because you saw what Cal did against North Texas. They are going to run the football out in Berkeley on Saturday.
7: They really are, and I think that that was a concern that that I had going into um, Week One was the Auburn's rush defense, uh, how they, especially on the edge, you know, we've talked about it a lot, is that. Auburn seemed to have an Achilles heel with running backs being able to bounce it outside, and and that happened early on in the first couple drives, where Auburn didn't do a really good job of tackling. They allowed the running backs to get outside contained, and they ended up you know, obviously getting some yards downfield where they should have been wrapped up sometimes in the backfield. Mm -hmm. So I I saw maybe a little bit better adjustment um, possessions after the first possession. It looked like Auburn cleaned that up a little bit, so that's good. But it's still a concern because this Ott kid from Cal rushed for almost two hundred. Now that is against a North Texas defense. So, you know, I, I would imagine that Auburn's defense, even with the concern about their run defense, is better than North Texas defense. So I think they're gonna have to throw it to beat Auburn. They cannot be one dimensional. If they if they rely on this Ott kid to win the game, Auburn can load up the box, maybe bring Kaufman in the box who who proved to be a very sure tackler and uh, shut down that running game. But yeah, it's still a concern to me. And it will be a concern until I see a big boy SEC offensive line uh, seeing Auburn kind of contain that a little bit. But is Cal going to be the. I think that even if Cal rushes for two 220 on Auburn, I don't know if they're going to be able to throw it successfully down the field enough to get more than 300 yards of total offense, right? And Auburn's going to get some sacks, I think. So. I think Auburn can outscore Cal. I think Auburn can really possess the ball against Cal because they're, you talk about a porous run defense. Cal's is, 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 is Swiss cheese. Mm-hmm. And so I think Auburn can control that and, and outscore Cal because I don't think – I think Auburn can be multidimensional. I don't think Cal can. So even if Cal goes for 200 on the ground, I don't think they're going to gash Auburn for 450 like Auburn could do against Cal by putting it up in the air too.
1: Yeah I'm glad you bring that up because to start the season everybody was talking about how Cal's rush defense was abysmal and that Auburn's just going to go out there and just run it up and down the field down their throat but now since Cal had a good rushing performance and Auburn's defense maybe didn't have a good rushing performance on defense everybody's just flipped their their perspective on oh man Cal's just going to run the football all over the place but Daryl. Auburn's going to run the football all over the place. We saw it on Saturday with Damari Austin, your guy, Jeremiah Cobb, Sean Jackson, Brian Battee. I mean, there are so many weapons offensively uh, for Auburn on the running side of things, plus Robbie Ashford in the red zone. Mm-hmm. Those are yep. going to be huge advantages for Auburn on Saturday against Cal. What do you think about that?
7: Well, I think Robbie Ashford is, an, is, is basically a quarterback, but his running skills are so dynamic that you have to consider him another rushing force i'm not going to call him a running back i'm saying he's a quarterback that has dynamic legs that can go for 80 90 yards on the ground right so if you add that to a total of net yards rushing even if your three backs average 40 50 yards a game your quarterback can come in and get you over 250 you know put you over 250 total yards rushing Mm -hmm. i think that's a key that cal is going to have to have an answer for is that dynamic running quarterback I think Thorne is going to have some shots downfield against Cal's defense I think Auburn's going to be able to run the ball effectively and I think Robbie Ashford's going to be able to run the ball effectively so that's a lot to prepare for if you're a Cal defense on the flip side Auburn just has to prepare for Ott in my opinion so you're right not only is the running to the running game be really really efficient saturday night if auburn needs to pass if cal starts selling out to stop the run because auburn's gashing them i think Thorne is the kind of quarterback that can take advantage of that and don't forget if you start selling out to stop the run rpo is a whole different animal because even though you're in the box selling out to stop the run who who are you selling out to stop the run for are you taking the running back are you taking Robbie Ashford, on an RPO, that's another dynamic. Just because you have nine in the box against an RPO doesn't mean you can stop it if he pulls it. And so I think there's a lot of things that the Cal defensive coordinator, and their head coach Justin Wilcox is a defensive-minded guy, was a Mm -hmm. very successful defensive coordinator. So they'll probably have a game plan, but I know that Auburn has given them a ton of things to look at.
1: Daryl Dapper, joining us here on the Tuesday edition of On the Line, as he does each and every week. He makes an appearance uh, at least once a week, and then the uh, recap show over the weekend for Locked on Auburn, also Montgomery radio legend. He's carrying on that legacy tonight for the Montgomery Biscuits on the radio with Lindsey Crosby. Uh, Daryl, Everybody's talking about it because it's the biggest, really, take away the actual matchup itself between Auburn and Cal. The biggest storyline is the fact that Auburn has to go to California, right? And everybody's trying to figure out what that's going to look like, how that's going to affect this team. Uh, Hugh Freeze talked about it yesterday in his press conference on how they're going to adjust. You got to travel out. You got to play at 9:30 at night local time here in Auburn, Opelika. So, Daryl, just your everybody's got their own little take on it. And so, how do you think Auburn is going to be affected by all of the the weirdness? Is the best word I can come up with it for what this game really is.
7: I think a lot of the the core of this Auburn football team has gone on the road and played in a lot more hostile venues than Cal Memorial Stadium. And I say that because I've been there. I mean, I, it's it, it, they will have an impressive crowd. There's no doubt. I mean, they're doing the gold out and all that, and I don't know. I think that stadium holds about 50,000. But, again, there's no upper bowl. There's no upper deck. It's, it's, it's just one of those stadiums that Auburn – It doesn't hold noise like LSU or Florida or Bryant Denny does. Peyton Thorne has been at Michigan, has played at Michigan at Ohio State at Penn State. I don't think there's anything about going out to California and playing, you know, nine thirty Auburn time that's gonna rattle them. I really don't. I think that the whole trip and how they prepare for that and playing in that stadium is not going to be like playing at Death Valley or playing in some other places that Auburn has played before and some of these guys have. It, it, you know, Bryant Denny for Robbie Ashford. So I think that aspect of it's been a little bit overblown. The travel may have an impact, but there's a way to manage that. You get out a day earlier, you make sure you stay hydrated, you make sure you rest plenty. There's nothing about Berkeley, California, that's going to be hot and humid come Saturday night. I think that the temperature could get into the 50s. Wow. Um, I, I remember I, there's an old saying that the coldest, the coldest winter I ever spent was a summer in San Francisco. So, I mean, that's <laughs> right there in the Bay Area. Uh, I've been to a game at Candlestick Park in May and about froze. So, I, you know, it's, it's a true football in the air type feeling. Auburn will be fresh. There's nothing about going there that will be – there's no altitude problem. Right, There's no snow or ice to compete. So it's California. And other than the fact that they're going to be starting two hours later, three hours later, but these are college kids that are used to being up and active at 930 at night. So I think a lot of that's been overblown. It, could there be jet lag? Could there? I don't know. I mean, you know, again, get out there early and get acclimated to it and I think you'll be fine.
1: I love it, man. You you always give such a unique perspective and, and and your own personal opinion, and you tell it like it is, and I really do uh, enjoy listening to you talk about all these certain things. Auburn on the road at Cal this weekend. Daryl Dappert's joining us on the phone lines. Uh, before I let you go, Daryl, just your from, from week one of college football. We, we finished it up last night with Clemson and Duke. SEC didn't look great in week one. Um, your Your biggest takeaways or maybe biggest results from week one in the college football 2023 season.
7: Yeah, a couple different storylines. The easy one is the one that I think everyone is laughing up like a dog at the uh, water bowl, and that's the Colorado story. And I'm still in Missouri mode on that. Show me. I mean, I'm not saying that that's not a great story. We don't know what TCU is or what they have. Mm-hmm. So I'm waiting to kind of pass judgment on that until they play UCLA, USC, Washington, Oregon, Oregon State. There's some teams that can give them trouble. But you know, obviously, it's a story because anything that Dion does is a story, and it, it, he, you know, the media follows him, and and he, he he basically is hard to keep your eyes off of and your camera lens off of. That's a that was obviously a narrative that I think shocked some people, and then of course last night though the Clemson Duke game, I, I, I'll tell you the, the biggest takeaway for me is Florida State. I I didn't think Florida, I could, I thought Florida State could win that game against LSU. I was shocked the way they dominated that second half. That's a pretty good football team that I think is going to only get better as the season progresses in a conference now where it looks like the torch is being passed from Clemson. And Florida State has to be the favorite to win that conference and maybe even slide into a playoff spot if they're doing what they're supposed to do. So I think that's the biggest takeaway for me is Florida State and how they dominated.
1: Yeah, they looked really good. It was crazy to see that LSU team just fumble, crumble and fall apart in the second half on Sunday night against Florida State. Daryl Dapperich, he joins me every Tuesday here on On the Line on ESPN 106.7 at 3.30. Daryl, we appreciate you and your time every single week. It's one of the best segments we have throughout the week, man. Let, it, let everybody know where they can keep up with you, all the things you're doing, including your broadcast tonight for the Montgomery Biscuits.
7: Yeah, for the next six days, I'll be doing the Montgomery Biscuits play-by-play on the radio. You can get that at MontgomeryBiscuits.com along with Lindsey Crosby. Monday morning, seven ten WANI with our good friend Ben Taylor. And then Fridays with Zach Blackerby on Locked on Auburn. And then after every Auburn home game, or I keep saying home game, after every Auburn game, we do a reaction show that gets posted at 6 a.m. Sunday morning.
1: There you go. Hey, man, have a great broadcast tonight. I'll be tuning in, and we'll talk to you next Tuesday.
7: All right. Take care, Jacob.
1: Appreciate it. That's Daryl Dapperich again. Joins me every Tuesday. Great, great friend of mine. Really enjoying uh, getting to know him uh, as we go through this this crazy path of ours uh, in sports media. And so go check him out on Locked on Auburn. Um, go check him out uh, for the Montgomery Biscuits broadcast tonight. Daryl, uh, he, he, he did the Max Roundtable with Doug for so many years there in Montgomery, and he's really becoming a great friend. And I appreciate him. He always just tells you what he's thinking, tells it like it is, and that's why we have him on this show each and every week. We'll come back and wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line. Give you final thoughts on week one as we get closer to week two of college football. The newest AP poll is out. We'll take a look at that as we wrap up the Tuesday edition of On the Line when we come back here on ESPN 106.7.
0: You are on the line on ESPN 106.7. Call in at 334-321-1390 or toll free at
1: 888-382-7502. Winding down the Tuesday edition of On the Line here on the Auburn Opelika Sports Leader ESPN 1067. My name is Jacob Goins. I appreciate you all tuning in all show long. Uh, if you've been here for the whole two hours tuning in uh, every so often, I appreciate you all. It's uh, been a great show today. Huh? It's been a fantastic show. Christian Clemente, my recruiting guru from uh, Auburn 247 and Auburn Undercover, he joined me the entire first hour here in the studio, uh, getting you caught up on all things Auburn football recruiting, uh, where the 2024 class is right now uh who could make some waves down the stretch as we get closer to december i know it sounds a little weird but as signing day approaches in december who auburn is trying to go after maybe a flip or two uh, as we get close as we approach and get closer and closer to a uh, signing day there in december plus taking a look at the 2025 class which is off to a really good start and then christian's thoughts on auburn football as it stands right now in 2023 so that was an hour number one then uh, I gave you my uh, most of my reactions from Week One in college football. Some crazy games, really good games as well, and some uh, massive storylines that have been happening in college football around Week One. And so then I talked to Daryl Dapperts, Just got off the phone with him as he is getting ready to go and call the Montgomery Biscuits game with Lindsey Crosby. So be sure you check that out. That's going to be a really good broadcast tonight. Two guys that are very very knowledgeable. In the game of baseball, two great guys to have on the radio as well. So go check that out at MontgomeryBiscuits.com. We appreciate Daryl joining us each and every Tuesday here on the show at 3.30 here during On the Line. So if you missed any of today's show, be sure to go and catch up with the podcast. It'll be posted commercial-free right after the show, so be sure you go and find that ESPNAU.com. That's ESPNAU.com, or just search On the Line wherever you get your podcast. we got a couple of minutes before uh, I get out. Out of here and bill and dan join join the studio for the drive from four to six the newest ap poll is out all right i want to run through this really quickly uh we'll talk some more about this tomorrow i'll probably lead the show off with this maybe uh talking about the ap poll and tomorrow by the way rivalry wednesday for auburn we've got a uh, jordan hill of dogs 247 and then Uh, Austin Hannon of Bama Central. Both of those guys will join us uh, coming out of Week 1 wins for those programs. Of course, Alabama getting ready to take on Texas there in Tuscaloosa after a really good performance from Jalen Milrose. So excited to talk to Austin Hannon of Bama Central and Jordan Hill of Dogs 247. That'll be on tomorrow's show. But here's the top 25 really quickly. Georgia at the top. They win. You were number one. Shouldn't change, right? Michigan number two. All of a sudden... Alabama jumps up 1 to number 3. All right, they were at 4 last week, they're now number 3. Florida State after their impressive win over what was number 5 LSU, they jump up to number 4 in the country. Ohio State after what was a win in conference on the road wasn't impressive by any means, but they did win the game. They dropped 2 spots to number 5. USC at 6, Penn State 7, that didn't change. Washington jumped up two spots to number eight. Tennessee jumped up three spots to number nine. Notre Dame up three spots to number ten. They're two and zero. Remember their week one win uh, on or over over the water there in Ireland. Texas eleven, Utah twelve, Oregon thirteen. LSU plummets down to fourteen. Uh, some of the other noticeable ones, really quick. Ole Miss top twenty now. Colorado in the top twenty five, if you can believe it. Uh, at number 22 Texas A&M 23 Tulane still a top 25 team at 24 and Clemson dropped 16 spots down to number 25 just on the cusp of falling out of the top 25 Auburn received three votes to get in there little early for Auburn to be a top 25 team but if they start taking care of business I think it'll come especially with that game coming up at Texas A&M That's it for today's show. Come back tomorrow, 2-4, to right here on ESPN 106.7 for Rivalry Wednesday. We'll talk Georgia, Alabama, and, of course, Auburn here on ESPN 106.7. I'm Jacob Goins. Until
5: tomorrow, stay safe. I'll talk to you later.